you sleep good? How was how late was the screening last night? Um, you know, it wasn't that late. We we wanted to get out of there super early because um, truth is the uh, you know you're not supposed to be in movie theaters or anything. Um, all yeah. that stuff's supposed to be closed. Um, was it in a movie theater? I assume yeah. it was in a backyard. No, no, no. This was a full blown screening in a, in a theater. Um, oh crap! Were you, yeah. How many people were then there? Um, we only had 11 people. We just had okay. for, it was for basically, it was for the, uh, the EPs, um, a couple of the producers, uh, the DP, um, some, some uh, sort of minor investor slash uh, close friends. And that was it. So, yeah. Um, because, you know, it, the, it's a, it's a small, very kind of exclusive theater. I, I can't say the name. I know I'm sounding like a, a douchebag, but I can't, I, we really can't say anything about it. Cause you know, we I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Yeah. That's not the goal of this. No. So, um, and the CDC wanted, listens to this actually. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I, I, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Uh, Mike Pence is actually downstairs right now. He's um, making sure we don't uh, violate any rules here. <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. I'm sure he's listening really tough. He's, I don't know why he's just got it. He's got it out for me. Um, so we just did it uh, very small because the, um, the executive producers really wanted to see it on a big screen. And yeah. so we had the, we had the, the means to get it into this theater who were uh, very friendly to us. So, um, and it went great. You know, the movie's only 15 minutes long. So, um, but uh but it went really well and everybody was just super, super thrilled. And, um, you know, the, everyone was, was in tears, um, which was, cause you know, it's, a, it's allegedly, it's kind of a, a kind of a pulls you in heartstrings type of movie. That's awesome and, though. Um, yeah. You never know, but you think it's that, but then you don't really know it's that until people respond or don't hold on. Let me just get this door real quick. No problem. Normally during these kinds of off times, I go ahead and fill this with some sort of story of some sort, but I want to wait for Noah to get back so I can ask him some direct questions about this movie. But, and he's back. Wait, Sorry. so I have a couple of direct questions about the movie. Yeah, sure. Um, was it all filmed during COVID? No, it was all filmed before. There was this, it, um, it was really, this is such a crazy story. It was, it was filmed before and um, there was uh you know, just some really absurd things happened and we had to reshoot some stuff and uh, we, we reshot it. And then um, the guy who was doing all our post-production audio and music um, got called back to his ongoing job. Um, he, mm -hmm. he has a, there's, <laughs> it's going to sound really weird, but there's a lot of things in this movie where I like had to <laughs> sign NDAs with people so that, um they could work on it and uh we did we shot it all before and then the, it just took forever to finally get it all done because we had we had some vfx work that we needed done on it um, and we needed to do a lot of uh, post-production audio and it just took forever because i was waiting for this one guy to see if he was going to be able to come back and work on our movie after he done and it just never happened so then i had to go find a whole new um, sound designer basically and start from scratch and but I found a great guy uh, uh, who lives up north I've never met him we did it all via zoom you still haven't met him no never met him in person we did the whole thing via zoom and That's um, great. he turned out to be just a really good guy 
super talented, great, great, um, uh, uh, what's the word, collaborative, really just very good working uh, relationship, you know, took, took all my suggestions and brought a lot of his own creativity. So it, it turned out really well. And the, you know, it was a, it was a big, big, big gamble, the whole movie, um, because uh, it relied on a dog. I'll, I'll give you yeah. a very short version of this. Yeah, I was going to tell the people uh, listening at home, you sent me a poster of it. Yeah. And I love that it wasn't like, you know, it's you and your wife, but then the dog is like right there in the middle. Like it stars the dog and it just yeah. happens to have you guys in. As opposed yes. to every other movie that has a dog, even when the dog's a central character, yeah. they don't put the dog's name in the middle or when the dog's starring <laughs> in it. They put... You know, but whoever the actors are, even if it's only the dog in the poster, but I like how it was yeah. built around the dog. Well, he's he's a special animal, and uh, you know, I can't take any credit. I inherited him with my wife. You know, I got a package mm -hmm. deal. She got him when he was a puppy. She rescued him from a Malamute rescue place in um, Chicago, and uh, he just turned out to be this incredibly unique. Uh, just beautiful animal. I met him when he was just turned five and now he's 10. And uh, so I've spent half of his life with him and he, he really, it, he is the kind, he is a dog that, you know, even when I first met him, I was like, wow, this is just a magnificent animal. When we drive around with him in the car, we all, he sits in the back seat with the window open, you know, and he's big as you've seen. Yeah. He looks like another person back there and people drive up and like, if it's a stoplight and they stop next to us, they just lose their minds. Little kids like want to jump out of the car and get in and pet him. Like we take him to the park and it's, it's, it's chaos. The children like want to yeah. run up to the dog. He, just, he does look unusually friendly and he always has a smile on his face. He does. He's just like a big stuffed animal come to life. And anyway, so this is the, cra this is the weird short story of this tale. This was a play that I was going to direct. And, mm. you know, it very much talks about the dog. You don't see the dog, obviously, in the play. And I got a job. I had a writing job for this pilot. And the, the, my first um, draft was due basically the, the same week the play was supposed to open. And so I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I have to bow out of the play because I can't mm. not take this writing job. So I had to cancel it and um, I was going to direct it. Allie and I were going to star in it. And it just, it kept, it kept haunting me. And I, I woke up one morning with this sort of just crazy idea, like that I, I thought for the ending of the movie. And I thought, is that you or me with the sirens? That's me. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I, I thought of a new ending for the movie and I'm like, uh, for a, a movie version of it and I said holy fuck I woke up and I told Ali I go we have to we have to turn this play into a movie we have to make this mm -hmm. I called the writer he lives in San Diego and he's a really good guy like he's a real writer and like as I just said because a lot of people in these short play festivals are just not and they're you know the material's shit and I called him up and I said <laughs> you know hey I, I'm so sorry we couldn't do your play, but would you be interested in adapting it into a, a short film? He was on board. And again, it's great collaborative experience. We, I sent him notes. We'd go back and forth via the computer. He'd send me a draft. I'd go, hey, could we do this? What about this? And then I told him my ending idea. He really got excited about that. 
So that was it. So we went and made this movie and I was like, I went and raised all this money, not all this money, but you know, enough to make the movie. And um, I, I've told people this before. I was like, if somebody would come to me and ask me, okay, I'm going to make this movie and it's going to be totally dependent on my dog acting in the movie. And I would say, you're out of your fucking mind. Do not do this. You're going to make yeah. me very angry. You're going to lose friends over this. Um, you know, because I mean, I've, I've worked. Unless your dog is Benji the Hunted. Well, <laughs> he's never done a movie. He's never done anything in his life like this. And I just kind of thought, I just think he can do it. And if I'm directing mm-hmm. it, I think we can pull it off. And, um, and it worked. He was, he was incredible in the movie. And so, yeah, we did, the, we did this screening last night. We finally got the movie done, which at a terrible time in life, because film festivals right now are just almost non-existent. Yeah. Uh, There's a couple that are happening over Zoom, I think. They are. And it's like that kind of kills about 90% of the whole purpose of a film festival, which is to go and meet and mingle and have your movie seen in large audiences and hopefully create some buzz. And that's just not. Yeah. All of that. The networking aspect is almost completely destroyed. Yeah. I mean, seeing it in a theater with other people that are also making films that are also there that like, so everyone's just excited. All of that energy is gone. Yeah, and that's the sad. That's the saddest thing. It's like you know, we finally got this movie done, and I'm like, holy shit! Like, because the sole purpose of making a short film like this is to take it to festivals. You're not going to make any uh-huh. money on it. The people that are quote unquote investing in it, they're not investing. They're donating. They know they're not going to get that yeah. money back. Oh, for sure. So the reward. Yeah, if is anyone that it, came to me with a 15 minute idea with a dog, I know, <laughs> I know there's not I, a lot of return. No, there's zero, <laughs> zero. <laughs> I personally, I would not have invested in this movie. Um, but I was fortunate enough to have some people who were just really supportive, always have been supportive of me and, and various aspects of my career. And, you know, I've directed stuff before, but this was really kind of a, a step to the next level that I was like, okay, it's really time for me to do something that's a little more ambitious. Had you ever directed an animal before? I never, I, I want to say that I have not. Um, I've worked with them as an actor plenty of times. I actually did a movie about uh, that I, where I played a dog, um, like a sort of dog smuggler, a guy who like bought and sold dogs on the black market, huh. who stole them. Like, it was really a very bad guy character. I made this movie with Ed Asner. For sure. Uh, but how many, um, I mean, all of those dogs must have been like thoroughly trained. Oh, those dogs were highly trained they had a big german shepherd like a 110 pound german shepherd who was like the star of that movie um who i kind of steal from this kid and the kid wants his dog back and ed asner's trying to help him get what's the, the name dog. of this movie it was called um bring him home bring him home yeah and um so so that was uh you know a big big animal working together movie and that dog was great and you know they have you know he was trained since birth to be a movie dog um and i've worked with other you know other animals here and there on harry i work i did the tv series harry and the hendersons um and so we had animals you know from time to time on that show was, harry would meet an animal and i just discovered that that was a tv show like six months ago because <laughs> i'm an avid wrestling fan oh yeah and jim hacksaw duggan was on an episode oh yeah he was and- he did an episode yeah yeah, and he so he posted so a picture funny. of him and Harry from it, and I was like, "What? I don't. I would have remembered Jim Hacksaw Duggan in the movie, That's you know." So, so I had funny. to look up like how they met, and it was like, "Oh, there was a TV show." Yep, 
That was a TV show. <laughs> yeah, he did. We had a lot of funny, like weird, you know, cameo guest stars on the show every other week. And um, so that was fun. But anyway. Because having yeah. a Sasquatch isn't enough? That wasn't, that didn't, yeah. They're like, we got it. We need a gimmick. We need a hook. <laughs> <laughs> Some things. <laughs> Guinea's a band. Yeah, right. Um, so, but I know I never had directed an animal before, but uh, I, I, you know, I did some testing with, with Blitz before we shot the movie and before mm-hmm. I, like, before I, like, cashed everyone's checks, I was like, let me just at least try some stuff. And so, you know, I, he's, you know, he's pretty well trained. He'll do just about anything I ask him to, like, when there's food involved. And so I took some cameras and moved him around and had him sit and stay and do different things while I moved the cameras around. But nothing is going to simulate an actual movie set, you know, with the lights mm-hmm. and the crew and all the stuff going on. And so, I mean, I just kind of just bit the bullet and I just said, you know what, movie gods, you've gotten me this far here. I think I'm supposed to make this thing with him. So please be on my side. And I, I will tell you the truth. There was a lot of things that went sideways on the, on the mm-hmm. shooting of this movie. He was unbelievable. He did every trick I asked him eight, ten times. There was this one big huh. setup at the end of the movie, this kind of long, continuous shot where he had to appear and disappear and the camera keeps moving and there's there's nothing you can do. There's no faking it because it's a one shot. It's like yeah. a, min- a minute and a half to the end of the movie. And um, he, he did it every single time, like every time. People were freaking out. People were like, is, is your dog a movie dog? Is he the, I'm like, he's never done this. Um, I know it's not like I'm bragging about my dog, which is like the yeah, weirdest but, thing a person can do, but. No, you should brag about your dog because I know people brag about their dogs doing fucking nothing. And you're bragging <laughs> about your true. dog nailing a 90 second shot eight times in a row without the extensive training that those universal dogs and all those other yeah. acting animals we've seen. No, it was, I think it's it, a very braggable thing. That's worth bragging about. Oh, good. All right. Thank you. Now that I have approval, Where could it's, somebody it's really going to get ugly. See it? Nowhere. Um. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, guys, check it out. Nowhere. Yeah. Let me. Uh, there'll be a link. I, <laughs> I know. It's so crazy. I wish I could plug it like and go, okay, well, but really we can't, we can't make it public right now because, you know, certain festivals uh, won't accept you if you've, if you've mm. already, if you've already had like, had it yeah, all, so you're about a all, year or two out before you can really put it on Vimeo. I yeah, well, we have a we have a Vimeo link that we use to just show some of the the people involved. I'll I'll show it to you at some point. You know, mm-hmm. I'll send you a link and you can watch it. So then at least you can tell everyone on the podcast. You go, hey, remember that movie that Noah Blake was talking about? It's a piece of shit. His dog I was terrible. Never, yeah, I'm gonna sit there and bury your dog. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Blitz no. should go back to working at Starbucks. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. He'd probably do really well there, actually. Um, yeah, I'm sure he'd get tips. Absolutely, he would. He would. He would. He could just but I'm ma- sure that uh, no matter how much like paw cleaning we'd have him do, it just wouldn't be enough <laughs> to get past the health guys. It's, he'd probably have to wear a little paw gloves. There's just no way around Oh, for that. sure. Yeah, and like a hair mask over his whole entire body. His whole body. He'd be like John Travolta in The Boy in the Bubble. There's a reference yes. for you. What? Um, oh, that's a great movie. That came out on DVD. Like, I had a terrible VHS of it as a kid. And then my brother bought it on DVD. And I was like, I can't believe <laughs> But then we watched it repeatedly. Oh, and so then they funny. remade it. And it just doesn't have the heart. 
that the does. John Travolta one does. No, no, it never does. It never does. I just got, I just watched on TV um, the remake of Papillon. I don't know if you're familiar with the original Papillon with Steve McQueen no. and Dustin Hoffman and a bunch of other amazing character actors. No, but you named two of my favorites. Now I'm an idiot for not knowing. Oh, if you if you are an old movie buff, um, you've come to the right place, my friend. Papillon is just a great, great movie. Really, kind of the one of the one of the first modern day sort of like, along with like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Mm-hmm. It was like you know the modern day kind of weird, quirky bromance movies. Um, but you know, I mean, Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman. I mean, just both in, in just the top, top of their game. And it's just, it's a, it's a classic. It's a classic. Yeah, then who thing. made it? Who remade it? Uh, they, they made, remade it with Remy Malik and um, Charlie Hun, Hun, Hunnam, Hunnam, whatever. I don't know. I don't and know Charlie when, Hunnam. When, Hunnam, when, Hunnam, I, when Hunnam. I heard they were doing it, I, my, I was just like mortified. I was like, no, it's like, other, it's like remaking the Godfather. You know, I just mm-hmm. what what are you gonna do that they missed in the first go round? Like, what are you gonna bring to the table here? For sure. And I'd, so I'd never obviously watched in the theater, but now it's on Showtime, so I'm like, oh, it doesn't cost me anything. Let me watch. And I watched it, and it was a piece of shit. It was just terrible. Um, I hate to say it. Sorry, guys. I feel I, that way about almost any. If you're remaking a good movie, you're not doing anyone any favors. You should no. only remake movies that were that were failures in their in some respect. Yes, and then why make it? <laughs> it's like, wait, this movie sucked because this, it's a terrible idea. It's bad script, and they're acting with shit, and the director didn't know. Well, let's redo that. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, but exactly. But every now and then, there is a good idea that's just done terribly. That's and true. That's what we should be remaking. That's true. There are there are some good ideas that were poorly executed. Um, but for like, the most I thought part, I know that this was a bad remake, but for years I was like, they should remake RoboCop. Because it didn't um, age well, but it is a decent idea, and yeah. no one really is truly emotionally invested in it. And then they remade a shitty version of RoboCop to prove why they shouldn't even touch that. See, I thought the original RoboCop had such a kind of a, uh, you know, what's his name, that director, Paul Verhoeven. It was really the movie that put him on the map um, mm-hmm. for his sort of like cheesy style, over the top actiony movies. Um, but it really had a charm of its own. That movie did. Yeah. Oh, nobody expected it to be mainstream, and it became mainstream. Yeah, it was. Which uh, is why I thought that could be remakeable. Yeah. No, I hear you. It's. Or it, like Toxic Avenger, like those kinds of things that accidentally got mainstream. See, Toxic I like, Avenger, I would never want to remake that. It's just like those kind of movies are just—they're so perfect in their fucking the era they were made, the style they were made in. It's like. That I think there's just something it's hard to put your finger on it, but it's like certain songs when just all the tumblers of the universe mm-hmm. just click into place and you, they get remade, they get revisited, but it just never has the same magic, you know? It doesn't, it really doesn't. Like, I thought the same, like when they remade Ghostbusters, oh, with, uh, with all the ladies, yeah, I was like, oh, the problem is, is like, as much as you want to recreate Ghostbusters. That's what made Bill Murray from famous to superstar. Like that's yeah. where he became a legend. Yeah. And you can't just green light somebody's rocket ship, as I call it. Like their rocket ship taken off. No, you can't. You never know when that's going to happen. No, exactly. And when that does happen is what made that so magical. Yeah. There's, there's so no magical. earthly way to know when some, something or someone is going to break out. And, you know, 
when it happens, people always go, oh, there's like a formula. Oh, there's a thing. Let's do another one. And then they go make 10 things and they all bomb. And it's just because yeah. you can't, that's what the magic of that is. That's what that is, that it thing or charisma or whatever you want to call it that, that just happens. It's lightning in a bottle, you know? And a lot of the mm-hmm. times it's, it's movie specific, you know? Certain actors become like stars because they were in the perfect right place, right time. And mm-hmm. then they go do like three or four other things and you go, what, uh, I don't, what happened here? I want, you know, oh, just, exactly that, you know, it's just like every now and then something, just everything lines up. Right. Yeah. And we should just really respect and be in awe and watch that as that happens. Cause when yeah. no one's trying, it magically just happens sometimes. Yeah. When you're trying really hard, it doesn't happen like ever. No, you have to kind of be in a state of, uh, you have to be in a, you know, there, you have to do the work. There's no way around that, but you also have to be in a kind of a place of openness to where the universe is pointing yeah. you. And, and that's kind of what happened with this, you know, dog dreams movie. It was like, it was, the genesis of it was so weird that I was like, well, I guess I just have to do this. And, you mm-hmm. know, once, you know, I made that decision and like, I, you know, the ending of the movie like appeared to me in the four in the morning and I woke up and I was like, Oh my God. You know, and I was like getting choked up thinking about this ending that I was dreaming up for the movie. And I'm like, Jesus, if it's getting to me right now in, in creating it, it's going to have to have an effect on people if I can execute it. And it sounds like it does. It really, you know, I'll be honest with you, like literally just before we started this podcast, we sent, um, we sent it to the writer because he's never seen mm-hmm. it. Oh, um, wow. And we wanted him to try to come to the screening last night, but he would have to get on a plane and couldn't do it. And so he said, can you please send me something so I can see it? So we sent it to him and he just emailed us this morning and he was just, you know, effusive, like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's so beautiful. I'm still crying. I can't believe I wrote this and you guys turned it into this and it's affecting me like this. And da, da, da. Thank That's you. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, to get that from the writer is just a, such a wonderful thing. I mean, the crazy thing is, you know, with mo- making a movie or doing stand-up comedy or writing a song, you know, it's, it, it's such a crazy process that somebody who doesn't know it and doesn't do it will really never understand. doesn't mean you can't appreciate it, but the actual compelled feeling that I I have to do this thing, the literal only reason you're doing it, writing a joke or making uh-huh. a movie or writing a song is to see other people get moved by it. Oh, it's exactly, that's what all art is. It's yeah. you're expressing your emotion to watch it affect someone else's emotion. And that's it. That is the yeah. sum total of it. If you can get paid and make a living, that's all great. But, you know, if you could think of the greatest joke in the world, but until you say it somewhere and watch other people laugh and affirm you and go, yes, uh-huh. yes, that's how I see the world too, you know, then it, for sure. Then the joke doesn't have a life, you know, and if you can think of this idea for a movie and whatever, and you know, some writer thinks of a thing and the director gets an idea and you put it all together and you find the people. And then at the end of the day, you're like, I just hope that it moves people. And you yeah. go, well, why? Why do you need to do that? What's the point? Who gives a shit? And you go, I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't choose to have that, but I can't, I have it and there's nothing I can do about it except to, That's to funny because I feel like that validates my entire existence. Yeah. 
to be like, hey, are we all experiencing the same kind of life? Oh, we are? Thank God. You know, yeah. like, I need to have other people say that to me or, like, in laughter back at me. Be like, okay, good. We all have the same stupid frustrations, and everyone in life has these frustrations. Yeah, we're all in this together, you know? Yeah, because it makes me feel a little less crazy. Exactly. That's what it is. That's what it is. And, you know, it's all the different forms of, of, of being a, a creative, you know, whether you're mm-hmm. telling jokes or whatever your, your milieu might be, you know, it, it's, it's all born of, like you said, of this desire to connect. And whenever mm-hmm. I hear people go, Oh, we go, we go to the movies to escape. You know, I go, that is not true. No, it's the exact opposite. Yeah, it's like, we, well, in a sense, we do go to escape, but what we're trying to escape is the banality of life and our disconnection to it. We're mm-hmm. actually trying to reconnect to something that we know is more profound. And we want to go mm-hmm. to the movies so that we can feel that sense of triumph when Rocky goes the distance, <laughs> or we do laugh at our own folly, you know, when Judd Apatow tells us to. Or we do get that feeling of, oh, yes, that's what being a human is. This is what it feels like to be a human being. This is why we're alive. And then we leave the theater and we want to go hopefully create those experiences for ourselves and be better people, you know, and be, you know, we see other, those characters in the movies, you know, not settling and not, not giving up on their dreams or, you know, finding that romance that matters the most. And then we go, oh, it's possible. Even if we know it's fake and it's pretend in Mm -hmm. there, we know that those people are real and those ideas are real and they resonate with us. And that's the same thing as telling a great joke. You know, it's the same thing that happens when you, when you go watch Chappelle or something, you're like, oh my God, I'm not, like you said, I'm not crazy. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Somebody else sees this bullshit the same way I do. And you know, you're validated as a person because otherwise oh, for we, sure. we're living in a vacuum. I'm going to make you choose between your babies. Is oh there God. no, cause I know you do acting, writing, directing, yeah. music, stand up. Is there one that you prefer over any of the others? <laughs> it kind of depends on which day it is, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, um, I'll, I got, I will say this, um, you know, I started as a, well, I started as a musician. And I, that was what I did all through high school. I went to performing arts high school and then I graduated and went to college. I was a music major. And in somewhere in that journey, I really came to this um, love of acting that I had kind of been hiding and suppressing. And really uh, I quit everything and just dove headfirst into acting and went to like 25 classes. And that was like my whole thing acting for, you know, 15 or 20 years. But the cool thing about being a director, and then I, you know, got into stand-up comedy and have done that off and on for various years. But being a director is the one place where you really get to use all your skills. If you're fortunate enough or unfortunate, like like me, to have kind of this varied skill set, you know, like when I'm around musicians, you know, they know that I'm a legit musician. It's not like, oh, this guy is some guy who fucking dicks around with whatever you know if i'm with comics they know i'm a comic when i'm an actor i'm an actor but when you're a director you kind of get to do all of it you know yeah you get get to work with the actors in a way that really you know it's hard to know what being an actor is like if you haven't done it 
you know, and I, my sense of comedy and timing and all like that, I can bring to it. And when I'm working with the composer, you know, I can speak in their language and they know that if I'm giving them notes, it's like, oh, this isn't just out of his ass. He's, he's talking to me on, on my level and it's a great back and forth. And even as a writer, you know, working with the writer of Dog Dreams, you know, he was like, oh, you, you know what you're talking about. And, and then when you, when you have people respecting each other and trusting each other, you know, you can, you can get, you can get some really good stuff out of it. And I've been on both ends of that where you go, oh my God, I'm working with a fucking idiot. You know, I'm working with a composer. I'm like, I know more about music than this guy's ever thought of, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's hard or, you know, they think, oh, well, I'm, I went to Juilliard and this guy doesn't know as much as I do. So he, he shouldn't have any input. It's like, but when you respect each other and you're like, you trust somebody else's craft, you can get the best of both worlds, you know? Yeah, for sure. So whenever I'm directing anybody, especially with whenever I'm directing actors, whether it's a play or anything, TV movies, I always tell them, I'm like, Hey, you know, the tendency is because they know I'm an acting teacher and an actor. They're like, well, what should I blah, blah, blah. I go, do whatever you want. Do mm -hmm. literally whatever you want. Do not ask me because I already know how this scene looks in my head and it's perfect, but you might do something that I never even imagined and it might be better than what I thought of. And if I tell yeah. you what I want, it's probably going to influence you pretty strongly because I'm pretty compelling when I think I know what I'm looking for but I don't want to influence them. So I'm like, do what you want to do because those, those are the magic things. When I, when somebody does something, I go, fuck, that's great. I never even thought of doing it that way. Let's, let's change this. Let's move this way. Or let's move that way. And you know, that's, that's, I think the, the best thing you can do. And I, even comics, when I work with work together with comics or being like in a writer's room or something, it's like, let's just, let's not assume anything here. We all have our ideas, but let's just throw stuff out there. And if we come up with something that resonates, let's go that way. Whatever best mm -hmm. idea wins. There's no egos here. And when everyone's confident, when everyone knows they're funny or everyone knows they're talented or whatever, then, then it's just a free for all of, of awesomeness. Really. I think. Yeah, and for that's, sure. Which that's, I think is the same in all sort of team sports. I think yes. people don't recognize how much all of these arts are just, another form of team sports i i couldn't agree more and even people think oh well no this is a comedy is a solo thing or you know if you're a singer it's not if you're a comic you know you're constantly the whole world is your your collaborator you're uh -huh. always bouncing jokes off of your friend or your mom or your dog or the plant or whatever well and the audience is always yeah collaboration if they're not in on what you're up to then right. you're just lost too like you know like i know we all dealt with the comic it's like that audience sucked and they bombed, but the audience wasn't sucky for everybody. Right. And you're like, no, you were just combating yeah. the other part of the, the dance. Yeah. There's, you know, a lot, most people, most people, period, I think, artists or otherwise, have a very hard time honestly reflecting on themselves and seeing themselves as the source of causation in most of what they're situation mm -hmm. is you know they want to blame the audience or they want to blame the producer or they want to blame you know anything other than themselves and i see that all the time i've seen so many comics that i was like god i really want to give this person like uh, uh, some advice or a, a, mm -hmm. a, an idea or a notion because you can see them in their own way and you know honestly from being an acting teacher for 
you know, 15, 20 years and dealing with so many people and watching them struggle with their own demons mm -hmm. to try to get to their creative truth. It's like, you know, it's just second nature for me. I see it all the time. And you just can't because it's, if it's not something that people are asking for, it's never going to be well received. And I'm sure yeah. other people experience that too, where they're like, Oh my God, my sister won't stop this. Or I just wish my partner would sign it up. But if they're not like coming to you and Hey, do you see me fucking up in any kind of way? Yeah. It's going to be very, very difficult to, to have your, your insight received. So you just have to kind of let people find their own path. That's funny. Yeah. Cause you know, as I'm getting older now, it's like, you just see life so, so differently in various stages, but you know, hopefully yeah, it's all good stuff. Yeah, no, it is. It's funny. Cause I, I have friends now in so many areas of life and of so many, you know, older, younger, same age, comedy friends, music friends, acting friends, non-show business friends, you know, and it's just so interesting how, what you look at sometimes when you sit back and you go, wow, over all the years, you know, you, you accumulate all these various relationships and connections in your life. And then you start to see it in a bigger picture. And it's like, wow, this is, this is the, the, the totality of my experience that I'm, you know, that is being reflected back at me. And it's just a, it's, it's sometimes, you know, it definitely gives you pause. You know, it's different when you're 25 or 35 or 45 and it just keeps changing, you know, every day. Uh, yeah. That's super cool. I think we're all kind of getting that out of this, out of this lockdown. I we all were kind of put on pause and we're all like, okay, now we have to sit with our own emotions. And some people handled it very well and some didn't. <laughs> that's very, very true. You can see on Facebook how many people aren't handling it well. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The rage level is just so high now. Every post is just unbridled freaking out rage at something, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, wow, that's, you know. And some people can't seem to leave the house without arguing. Oh, now yeah. you're like, oh, wow, like you've been waiting to leave the house this whole time. And now that you're out there, you're just a dog barking at everything. Just screaming. Your soul is <laughs> screaming. The volume is at 12 the whole time mm -hmm. to the point where you need to go fight somebody at Trader Joe's. It's just like, how bad yeah, exactly. is it getting? I'm going to take it out on every loaf of bread. Uh, dude, yeah, this has been an insanely, insanely trying time. I mean, you know speaking of years and age, it's like, I go back to like, you know, I remember Nixon when I was a little kid and I remember, and I know enough to be like, Oh, I knew that that was a bad situation and people hated him. It was like, wow, this guy's a bad president. And then I remember, you know, obviously cut down, cut down, you know, cut fast forward 20 something, 30 years later, you know, George, George Bush jr. Just driving the country into a fucking telephone. Yeah. Pole. And I was like, Oh my God, this is so bad. Well, we got out of that. And now it's like, nobody could have dreamed that something like no. this would happen. You know? No, I'm so I'm super liberal. I'm going to say that before I compliment Nixon. But I do <laughs> believe that Nixon wasn't necessarily terribly suited to be president. He was just terribly suited to be president at the time that he was serving. He yeah, was, he, he was he, not meant for what he had to go up against. No, he, and he was an insecure person. He was, you know, he was mm -hmm. insecure about his his looks and his persona. And, you know, he was never somebody that anyone thought could be president except him. And, you know, <laughs> and I think he made some, you know, just decisions out of that. Out of yeah. That. Or maybe he was just a great vice president. And he was like, you know, why not give myself the promotion? 
Yeah, could, and, could, could be. You know. Yeah, but it uh, didn't work out. Yeah. Before, no, I, we, I'm gonna we, need another 20 years before I can really figure out the angle in which I'll compliment George W. Bush. Oh, um, no, and God. I'm not sure I'm ever gonna reach that on Trump, and I'm I'm okay with well, that. It's weird, yeah, because you look back and you go, God, I would I I would long to just have a simpleton in the White House again, like Bush, you know, <laughs> just a dunce, you know, sitting there on, you know. <laughs> that's funny I, mean, I had some really good bush material back in the day i was sad when he was gone because i was doing a lot of comedy at that time this, <laughs> this, I and everyone about, said there's gonna get a lot of trump material out of this and instead we just got a lot of rage no you can't make you can't do comedy about this guy it's no yeah no exactly because as much as we can make george w bush look like one of the three stooges in office yeah trump is just evil biff just doing what he can have to do to just he, for him his own pockets. Yeah, it's like I've I've really kind of to be honest, you know, I've checked out a little bit. I I can't take it anymore. Like I don't watch Rachel. I Maddow. can't turn away. I can't watch anybody else because I'm just I'm like this is I'm so angry. I'm so this is so such a sad state of you know what what really this country is. There's a lot mm-hmm. of this country that that you know that is trump-like and yeah. it's you know it's it's frightening because we all thought oh obama's president now everything's fixed we're all better and i was like no we're not a lot of people yeah. still are not okay with this and they're just mm-hmm. they're just being quiet and yeah well we forget we're in la we all kind of ex- agree here in this city when you yeah. go to another state completely you're like oh we do not agree right no <laughs> a, lot, a lot of those other states do not agree at all you know no exactly we're we're definitely their enemy. You're like, oh, okay, all right, good to know. Noted. Yeah. Um, before this ends, I wanted to ask you a couple of Teen Witch questions, if I could. Oh, please, absolutely. How many times a year do you think Teen Witch resurfaces in your life? Oh fuck. Um, oh, just oh, it's all the time. Like a couple of times a month. Uh, <laughs> I would say if a if a month goes by and there's no reference to teen witch in my life that would be surprising Um, (laughs) like the funny thing is like when when the movie came out when we did the movie aaron are you wanted by (laughs) i live next to a fire station okay (laughs) so this actually means that people are doing the right thing i just live next to where they come from that's funny um Yeah, no, Teen Witch, uh, when we made the movie, it, you know, it kind of came and went without a whole lot of fanfare, mm-hmm. you know, it was a, just a, you know, low rent teen supernatural comedy of the time. And then it just kind of disappeared for, you know, probably like 10 years. And some something happened Then it, it came out on video and then it came out on disc and then other things. And then the internet happened and then it, people started making these you know, what do you call them? Um, when they make their own version of the Top That song and stuff? I mean, I want to call that a tribute. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's the a way word. that they go ahead and do that. But like, because my, my acknowledgement of the movie is I when I was a kid, we had HBO. Uh-huh. And I feel like that movie would air on HBO like three times a week. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was. And it was so it was like all of a sudden, <laughs> it was just like a thing that we would watch repeatedly all the time just because it was happenstance. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those movies it's so ridiculous and it's just it's so absurd and you know there's really nothing 
really nothing like it. It's it's so mm-hmm. crazy in its own right. That it just oh yeah, and very you know, very eighties. It really captures that decade uh, in a retro way during yeah. the time that it was happening. The other things, I don't know. Like I want to say, it's not an awareness. It just happened. It just captured yeah. it the way that it captured it. Yeah, and again, totally, obviously unintentional. Of course, like when we were doing top that, all we were thinking of is this is, this is just absolutely ridiculous. And what what is? But in your head, you must be like, I'm a musician. I'm gonna nail this. You know, like I. Oh, I absolutely committed to it, and I'll and honestly, and I've said this before, you know, because I've been interviewed about that movie. I'm sure specifically, you know. I'm not sure I have a question to ask you that hasn't been asked. Um, probably not. Well, I don't know, maybe, but you know, Mandy and I, when we were rehearsing that, I mean, we committed, we, we were like, all right, let's, let's fucking do whatever we need to do on this thing. It's going to be whatever it is. And obviously Mm -hmm. at that time, it didn't feel as ridiculous and cheesy. Of course, looking back on it now, just with the style and the outfits and everything, it's, it's, you know, but at the time we're like, let's, let's fucking dig our feet in and, and do whatever we can here. And I, I honestly believe that because we did commit to it so hard that there's something kind of charming in that. Um, yeah. People connected with it. And I don't know anyone who, as much as people love parts of that movie, ironically, I don't know anybody who li- dislikes that scene or like loves it unironically. They, there's a genuine <laughs> love for it. <laughs> yeah. There's so no funny. one's faking their love of top that people really <laughs> love watching <laughs> They love watching you rap hard and then her come back and rap hard at you. Like there's yeah. a, people get a real thrill out of that. And I think that's a real thing that's captured. And there's something just so like hard to put your finger on, like the sheer blissful ignorance of white people at that time of what rap <laughs> really was and the yeah. f- just futile attempt at kind of, you know, imitating it in some just ham fisted way. And mm-hmm. it's like, wow. And it's like, you know, but if you were, you know, 12 at the time, you're like, yeah, yeah, this is badass. <laughs> but, you know, of course now it's just, it's, you know, just pure unadulterated comedy. But yeah, it's weird. I mean, that's again, what we were talking about. You never know, you know, I've done, yeah. you know, fucking 20, 30 movies and, you know, 30, 40 TV shows over my life. I would have never guessed in a million years that that would be the thing, at least to this point that people would not forget ever. I would have actually probably put that in the bottom of my list of like, what do you think people will remember you about Noah? I go, well, not this. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. And like, looking at it now, you're like, if anyone was to make an action figure of you next year, it's from that movie. <laughs> it's, it's true, dude. It's Which is also completely possible to see that action figure song. Noah Blake. Love Noah. I'm really happy with like how his like feeling during this interview was like just like wise. It was like he was just like really satisfied that he finished the short, feet up, kicking back. His feet weren't literally up when we were talking, but you know, like that's what I mean. Like that's what the feeling was. Like, yeah, really proud of this short. You know, happy with life. He just recently got married, so congratulations to him and his new wife, Allie. You know, like so like you know, there's, he's got some reasons to smile, and I like it. Uh, little side announcements. I got some side announcements for you guys. Last week, I did not miss an episode. I did put up the normal episode on Friday that I put up, and my friend that was on it didn't like it. He said I came at him too aggressive, and, you know, like, I talked to my brother about it, and my brother was like, no, you, you did. And so I came off too aggressive, 
And so I, uh, I offered to take it down. And, and my buddy Andrew said, please. And so it's down. It's gone. So sorry if you didn't get to hear that episode. It's, uh, we'll live in the myth of the podcast now. But it, uh, no episode was missed. It was just taken down out of respect for his feelings. And I'm sorry. And there we have it. That's part of putting up with me, I think. Is that sometimes I have to put up with myself and what I do and the consequence of my own action. And I, I, yeah, like it's that. And it's not like I did anything crazy mean. It's not, it's not, I don't feel like it was where it was like, if you guys heard it, you guys wouldn't be like, what's the part that was taken down? He just felt defensive, you know, like, and he never felt comfortable. And so like, it was just, you know, like it's, there you go. It's gone. That's why it's gone. There was an episode. Now there's not. I now work a full-time job. If you, if you heard the episode before I took it down, I talked a little about that. Went back to work this week. I'm back to 40 hours a week. And so I'm going back to the one a week. I'm, I am going back to the one a week uh, podcasting instead of the twice a week, which I was doing. Uh, I mean, partially for you guys, partially for... It was a lot for me to get myself to do something all quarantine to keep myself going. So... One a week episodes. If uh, if I feel like it's just not enough, I might end up pushing back up to two again. So we'll see. If you guys really, really want me to keep pushing the two, let me know. If you guys are okay with the one, let me know. We got some fun episodes. Know what just happened. Next week, we have Zach Waldman, old school buddy of mine. In fact, this is how old school buddy Zach is with me. I met Zach one week out of graduating high school 20 years ago in Chicago. And then when I moved out to Los Angeles the first time in the year 2001, I slept on his couch when I got here. That's how far back we go. Professional magician, stand-up comedian. You may know him if you're a huge Howard Stern buff. He's, uh, he's done some stuff. We talked some stuff. We talked about his New York days a little bit. That's coming up next week. So we got that. Um, I forgot to plug Noah's stuff. Go to at Noah Blake on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook. I don't know his Venmo offhand. The short story or the, the short with the dog is not up for us to watch because of the festivals, like he said. But when it does become available, I feel like in a year or something, when all the festival stuff is over and he's able to do it, I'll let you guys, I'll remind you guys of another outro. I'll be like, hey, check it out. Because it does sound cool, doesn't it? I don't know how you can listen to the interview and not go, well, I want to watch the dog act. I want to see this last big old take where the dog can't cut for 90 seconds and does all his, hits all his marks. That sounds awesome. So, yeah, I'll let you know when the dog thing comes out when we can. And yeah, like that's what we got. That's that's what's happening right now. Thank you for putting up with me. And uh, I say thank you for listening to me, but sometimes I get it backwards. Whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong Whether I find a place in this world or never belong 
I've got to be me. 